Then Jesus said, there was a man with two sons. The younger one said to his father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property and dissolute. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He was glad we had filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How may all my father's hired hands have bread and bread enough to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. Go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven before you. I am no longer worthy to be called one of your sons. Treat me like one of your hired hands. He set off and went to his father, but while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine who is dead and is alive and is alive again, he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked, What's going on? He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf. Because he has got him back safe and sound, then he became angry and refused to, uh, to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered his father, Listen for all of these years. I have been working like a slave for you, and I have uh, never once disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, he w who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me and, will all, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Our good and gracious Lord, we give thanks this day for the joy of the little children, for their um, wonderful success at trying to sing in other languages. We thank you for the directors and the parents and all who make it possible. Thank you for our choirs who have been here all three services and have uh, sung magnificently, and for songwriters like Andrew and Mr. Manasa and others who give music back to this world and to sing to give you the glory. We pray, Lord, that our lives would always be deeply connected with Tanzania in this partnership. We give thanks for the leadership of Bishop Monga and Annette Monga, for Sakomo University that we built uh, with a little help uh, from us, trying to partner with them through the years. And now through the scholarship program, we ask that we continue to support education for the children and the adults in uh, Tanzania. And uh, whatever good we can do, Lord, ask us, and we pray that we will say yes, Lord. 
May it be as you have asked. We love each other, and we grow far more from having the Tanzanians teach us, I think, than it goes the other way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My women's Wednesday morning Bible study is reading the book of Luke. And this, um, we just ended up recently with the gospel we just read with the prodigal son. And so it's been uh, interesting to look at it in depth behind the scenes. And one of the students in our class, uh, Nan Quigley, and she shared this story with us as we had our kind of just our free time for thinking about the passage. She said, Beverly Hills is an exciting and beautiful place to visit. And my husband and I were out there last summer, eager to find a great place to eat that night. So I asked the concierge at our hotel, uh, what would he recommend? He told us about a perfect little cafe downtown where the food was incredible. He told us about uh, how to get there, and he was sure that we would be pleased with the chef's special touches. But he added when looking at her, I see your necklace. He kept staring at her necklace. He pointed it and he says, you must be a Christian. She was thrilled because uh, it is a beautiful silver cross necklace. He says, yes, I am a Christian. How about you, she said. Well, he said, I have a story to tell you. When I was a young man, I was very, very troubled. My father died, you see, suddenly. And then, in not too much more time, my brother died. I was really angry at the world, and I lost so much of, that, of myself at that time. So I left home, and I got into some really bad troubles. My mother tried to help me on the right path again, but I wouldn't listen. I was pretty difficult. I was a miserable guy, actually. So after so much suffering and up and down and losing jobs, I decided I would run away and join the Navy. And then one day after training was over and we were out at sea on a big ship in the middle of the ocean, a terrible storm began to build around us. The ship was rocking wildly back and forth, heaving up and down, and the crashing waves were getting higher and higher over the boat. I, I was really, really scared to death. This was going to be my end. So I finally got down on my knees, he shared with, her, with the Nan, and I prayed to God, God, if you will save me, I promise to serve you and to make amends with my life. I know I've been a miserable, selfish guy, and that has to change. And you know what, he said to her? The storm slowly calmed down. Then the prodigal concierge smiled as he admitted, And as you see, I am still here. God is good. And I'm married now, and I'm seriously looking for a church for myself and the family. My Bible student's joy was evident in class that day. She admitted this was exactly why she wears a cross, 
so that others can be given the signal, the blessing, that she is a sure believer in God who wants all to come home, all the prodigals to come home to his gracious love. And it has made a difference as she's invited wonderful connections when the Spirit moves those who speak with her. Professor Caroline Lewis at Lutheran Seminary in St. Paul reflected today's, on today's parable and the fury of the older brother, who never stepped outside the lines of decency, who always kept dad's property and crops in good shape. Do you know anyone who feels like that? Maybe you're thinking of your family right now and where you are in the birth order. Maybe you have a sibling friend or, or a sibling or a friend who cuts corners sometimes a little unethically on his income taxes, or someone who you know dearly who never does his homework right for his clients, but he always gets a lucky break. Dr. Lewis calls this ability to escape retribution and punishment and to never receive the stinging rap on the knuckles indiscriminate grace. That caught my, my eye when I heard in my ear, indiscriminate grace. That means there's nothing that can stop it from coming on full bore. It's just going to run over you, knock you over. God's grace, it's indiscriminate. No matter what you do, no matter who you are, you can have at it. And Frederick Beekner refers to it this way, the giddy grace of God. I like that, good alliteration. The giddy grace of God. Now, as Lutheran prodigals, we believe strongly, of course, in teaching that we are all saved by grace alone. And isn't it true that we love the concept of our, that concept ourselves? But it's hard to freely offer that grace of gift to everyone else. Our gospel, the prodigal son, and that forgiving father is rich symbolic meaning that sometimes we can disregard. We were just out at Sight and Sound with our Tanzanians, and in there they have a little vignette of the prodigal son story. And the father played it very well, so happy while the, while the other older brother stood back here, grumping and looking and saying, what are you doing going after that jerk, my brother? And then the kid went and sat with the pigs, and he was in, they have real pigs at Sight and Sound. So he was in there with the pigs. It was really quite a good presentation. Of course, he comes back home, and the dad runs down the aisle to see him. Now, you know, apparently, when a man in that biblical era would lift his skirts in order to run unencumbered, it was a, an extreme embarrassment. So for a dignified man and a landowner like he, to lift his skirts so he could run rapidly to embrace his prodigal son was even more of a, a degradation, really, of his class in the community. But he couldn't wait to welcome that guy home. John Ortberg refines our understanding also of this parable with these insights. The robe stands for honor. The ring stands for authority. For if a man gave another his signet ring, it was the same as giving him the power of attorney. The shoes stand for a son as opposed to a slave. In other words, the slaves on the farm never were able to wear shoes. They had to go barefoot everywhere they went. But the son could have magnificent shoes. 
And so this was a, a very high honor because the children of the family were shod in shoes and all the slaves went without. The robe, ring, and royal sandals, therefore, await the lost one, the lost sheep to come home. And these three things answer exactly the prayer which he had, was meant to have prayed. These symbols are Eastern. The robe befits the father's house. The ring was the sign of a relationship, of sonship, and put the shoes on his feet, and the slave was never permitted to wear those shoes. It was really a much more deep parable than we would understand in our culture. Now, I can't help but notice the rancor and the finger-pointing and all the things that are going on in the debates in Washington, D.C. daily right now. No matter where you are on that political scale, everybody seems to be at each other. It's not new, but also we hoped maybe the divisions would cease a little bit. We are so judgmental as a country and willing to blame the other that there is stalemating of decent bills and legislation that could be helped if they offered each other a little indiscriminate grace. It's in short supply. And maybe it's true in some of our families, too, with grudges that have been held, things that we just don't seem to be able to forget and forgive. Hear the good news in Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And as 2 Corinthians says in today's reading, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything, everything has passed away. See, everything has become new. Amanda, Amanda Propes Renault has said this about the prodigal. Part of the reason this story is so compelling and so beloved is because we are never only one of the characters. Who among us has not squandered the love that we have been given at times? And who among us has not felt the bitter sting of insecurity and fear at being left out? Who among us has not chased after love, hoping it will be return? We ourselves often have that deep hope and hunger that someone, God, perhaps will leave the threshold to come out and find us when we are lost or will invite us into the party in the midst of all of our fears of being left out. The day of our baptism, we were included, my friends. We were made part of the family of God, and nothing can kick you out of that family. <clears throat> we all come together. Sometimes we're not getting along, but it is time, my friends, that we truly uh, claim the grace that is ours. God is here right now, today, to offer us grace upon grace without any ending. So whatever part of our life needs to be uh, tidied up a little, needs to be put back into shape, today is a good day. The Lenten journey is a good time to come before Jesus to say thank you, thank you. And he says, come home, come home to my endless love. Amen.